What if bridges could talk to you? What would they say? Is it possible to 3D print a heart? These are the types of questions that Carnegie Mellon engineering researchers are answering, testing, and applying to the real world. This podcast series will bring them all together. Today, we'll be discussing a recent paper on electric vehicles. The paper, which was published in the journal Transportation Research Part A, Policy and Practice, asked this question. What do American and Chinese consumers want in an electric vehicle? And are these preferences reflected in their behavior when buying an electric vehicle? The answers to these questions could affect how electric vehicles are developed and sold in the future. Today, I'm having a chat with two of the paper's main authors. Okay, uh, my name is John Paul Helveston. Uh, I am a fourth-year PhD student in engineering and public policy at Carnegie Mellon. I'm Jeremy Mahalik. I'm a professor of mechanical engineering and engineering and public policy at Carnegie Mellon University. First, could you just quickly describe the different types of vehicles you guys considered? Sure, yeah. Conventional vehicles are the ones we're familiar with that run on gasoline. Hybrid electric vehicles like the Toyota Prius still run on gasoline, but they have an advanced electrical system on board that helps improve fuel efficiency. Plug-in hybrid electric vehicles like the Chevy Volt uh, run partly on electricity and partly on gasoline. So you can plug them into the, uh, in a, to a special outlet to help charge the battery on board. Then you can drive the vehicle on electricity for short trips, but if you need to take a long trip, you just switch over to gasoline. And finally, uh, battery electric vehicles, or sometimes called pure electric or all electric vehicles, uh, rely entirely on electricity. So they need a larger battery pack in order to store enough energy to uh, drive reasonable distances. Yeah, I'll add that um, an interesting thing is just that this study was a comparison between the US and China, is that these cars, the names alone, are actually, I think, a little bit clearer in Chinese. So for example, a battery electric car is a Dandong Chicha which literally means um, electricity mobile car. It's, it's like in the name of the car is that it's coming from electricity. So it's a little less ambiguous. I think uh, that actually might help just clarify the technologies over there. I like that. So it's like very unambiguous. So why are we focusing on China? Um, we were interested in comparing between the U.S. and China, first because these are the two largest auto markets in the world. And in particular, China is the number one largest passenger car market in the world now. So China's market is enormous. At the same time, the number of cars per capita is very small in China still today. Uh, in the U.S., it's almost, uh, we've reached like peak car sort of. There's, uh, almost everyone has a car, but in China there are th millions and millions of people without cars. So what technologies are adopted today could have a very long-term consequences for China as they adopt new vehicles. Huh. All right, so cutting straight to the chase, what did the survey reveal? What we were able to find was uh, that the U.S. consumers seemed a lot more opposed to the all-electric or BEV um, technologies, and that, that wasn't necessarily the case in China, that it seemed like uh, Chinese consumers were uh, much more willing to consider that technology. Um, if you had two exactly the same cars and the only difference was the technology, U.S. consumers were willing to pay ten to $20,000 less for the BEV. So they had a very negative view of just the technology itself. Whereas in China, that wasn't really there. We, it was basically the same or equivalent as a, as a conventional vehicle, given a, an adequate electric range. 
Interesting. So Americans much less willing to pay for battery electric vehicles. Why is that? So first of all, in China, about two thirds of buyers are first time car buyers. So if there is any sort of negative view from experience, that isn't necessarily going to be there in China.、Um, another one is that China has a very long、um, established culture of plugging in and, and driving on electricity. In fact, they have the, the they have more EVs in China. Then we have people in America. It's just those EVs are bicycles. So plugging in and charging your battery and, and driving electricity is very common and familiar.、Uh, the last might be that、uh, whereas Americans have to drive very far distances、uh, to get from city to city, you don't need you don't have to do that in China. They have an incredible intercity rail system that is cheap, fast, reliable. So any lim- range limitations that we might have here. Uh, aren't necessarily present in China, huh? So, is there some sort of historical reason for why Chinese consumers are more plug-in savvy?、Um, I would say, if there's any sort of historical reason, like I said, it's, it's probably just familiarity with the e-bikes. E-bikes have been around for a very long time. China grew as a biking culture way before a car culture. So, in the 70s and 80s. There basically weren't cars. There was only bikes, and everyone commuted on bikes in the cities. Those transformed to e-bikes、um, for extended range and convenience. But that existed for many decades, well before the car got there. In the U.S., we didn't necessarily grow that way. We grew with the car.、Um, so there is a pretty substantial history with、uh, electric bikes. Interesting. So I guess to change the subject just a little bit, we we've all been hearing about how bad air pollution can be in these big Chinese cities. Does the adoption of electric vehicles help on that front?、Uh, possibly, but not necessarily.、Mm-hmm. Certainly, if we switch away from gasoline vehicles to electric vehicles, we get rid of the tailpipe emissions.、So、that's important, especially because tailpipe emissions tend to be released near where people live, because that's where people drive. Um, but those are being replaced by power plant emissions, and uh, China's uh, electric power fleet is very heavily dependent on coal. So there will be emissions from the coal-fired power plants that are、uh, generating the electricity to charge those vehicles. I don't think we quite have the data to nail this down yet, but it's pretty clear that、uh, it's not a it's not an easy win. Hmm. So what about the dependence on foreign oil? Are there any benefits there for each country? China、um, is importing around 55 to 60 percent of its oil right now.、Um, that's projected to grow to about 75 percent by 2020, just five years from now. So this growth is、um, extremely fast,、uh, extremely big, and、um, and they don't really have any domestic oil reserves.、Uh, there isn't a lot of ability to domestically produce oil. Versus in the U.S.,、uh, we have a lot more. Domestic resources, and we've actually been reducing our imports、uh, more recently in the last few years、uh, due to local domestic growth.、Um, so I would say that China, China probably has a much larger, larger stakes to move away from oil and、um, displace gas cars with EVs. You said obviously the dependence on foreign oil will be re- reduced、mm. in each country with the、mm. uh, EV adoption.、Um, <laughs> yeah, well, may- maybe it sometimes it can be a little tricky because, for example, in the United States we have、uh, federal fuel economy standards, and the that、uh, caps the total amount of of gasoline consumption per mile across the fleet. 
So that means that if you buy an electric vehicle today, it enables somebody else to buy a lower efficient vehicle tomorrow to balance out to the same standard. So uh, the net impact on gasoline consumption in the United States does not necessarily decrease uh, because uh, somebody buys an electric vehicle. Gotcha. All right. So knowing all of this, knowing that China may adopt electric vehicle technology before the U.S., what, what do we take away from that? What does that allow us to do? Um, so one of the things I think that comes out of what we've learned from this study was that it's not just that Americans don't like BEVs and Chinese like them. Um, we actually found that Americans also did like plug-in hybrids and hybrid vehicles. Um, so uh, I think this tells us something about opportunities here for different technologies suited for different countries. So you might want to reconsider uh, the way we incentivize these different technologies. There might be a more optimal strategy for getting more EVs in general, be that plug-in hybrids or hybrids, and you know any of these technologies. There might be a better strategy for doing that for the U.S. versus China, and that might be more technology-dependent. So let's say that these preferences come to fruition and Chinese consumers demand more electric vehicles the way they want them. How might that affect, then, the global market for electric vehicles? Today, I mean, a lot of automakers sort of develop, they develop their technologies on a, on a platform strategy. They'll make a platform car, and then they will refit it or redesign the aesthetics of it or, or different small features to fit different markets. But the core technology, the drivetrain and the platform itself, may be the same. So if China goes EV uh, and large global automakers develop EVs for China, uh, that may reduce the burdens, the barriers to making that technology to sell in other countries. Um, so China going electric, it may actually incentivize global automakers to also go there. This podcast has been brought to you by Carnegie Mellon University's College of Engineering. I'm Daniel Tatchik.